Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you will be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. We're reading from the book of Luke chapter 23, verse number 33. Luke chapter 23, verse number 33. They have now brought Jesus to where they will crucify him. Scripture says, when they will come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, notice those first three words, they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and then the other on the left. And in that moment, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. I preach today by the help of the Lord from this subject, the door at Calvary. The door at Calvary. Would you ask the Lord to help us now, Jesus? God, I feel your presence and your power and your love in this house right now. And I'm asking you, Lord, in the next few moments to help us communicate, articulate. Dear God, convey this precious word. Help it, dear God, to grip our heart and grip our lives and change us in our direction and our course, our walk, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, would you lift your voice in your hands one more time and make a joyful sound of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we do it all over the building? Somebody just make a sound of praise to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. God bless you. It's uh, been long considered a legend. Whether it's true or not, I don't know and have not sought to prove or disprove it. But they say that the cross of Christ was positioned at the center of the earth. Whether that is indeed true or not, I don't know, and it really just doesn't matter right now. What I do know is that the cross is at the center of the divine process of redemption. And that without redemption, that without the cross, there can be no redemption. Everything revolves and turns upon the event of Calvary. In fact, the cross is the pivot point upon which all time is reckoned. Prior to the cross, we count backwards toward redemption. After the cross, we count forward throughout the redemptive process toward our eternal home. And the cross was the turning point of our reckoning of time. The cross is the cause and effect of events on both sides of that place called Golgotha. It was the cause of the incarnation. There would have been no need for the incarnation if it was not for the purpose of the cross of Calvary. 
For God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And that God became flesh and dwelt among us for the sole purpose of His crucifixion. And He told Pilate in the day of His judgment, For this cause came I into the world. It was the cause of the resurrection. If there had been no Calvary, there could have been no resurrection. The only reason why we will celebrate in a, in a couple of Sundays this glorious moment of resurrection is because there was a Calvary. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up again for the cross cast long shadows on both sides of its history Paul speaks concerning the cross and he talks about the practices of the Old Testament being mere shadows of that which is to come. Now think with me for just a moment of what causes a shadow. A shadow it comes from light that is on the backside of something. So therefore the light is shining on the other side of the cross and as it shines against the cross Paul says it casts shadows across the landscape of the Old Testament. Therefore when we look into the Old Testament we see we see the various shadow of the, the shadows of the cross as it appears there. We see that shadow fall across the tabernacle in the wilderness for the very furniture of that tabernacle is laid out in the form of a cross. We see that cross as it falls against across the rock that was smitten by Moses in which that the water came from. We see that cross's shadow fall across those bitter waters called Mara when Moses took a tree and threw it into those bitter waters and made those waters sweet we see the shadow of the cross and that brazen serpent that was lifted in the wilderness and when all eyes looked upon that brazen serpent they were healed of the plague that had come upon them but as you see that light begin to rise we see the shadows begin to shorten as it comes upon the moment of the cross and now the event has taken place but the light does not cease to shine. The light has just continued to move now toward its western horizon and toward the setting of that sun. But now the same light shines from the other direction and it shines on the other side of the cross now. And that same cross now cast its shadow upon the grace dispensation and upon the church. For you can never get away from the shadow of the cross when the shadow fell in the Old Testament it anticipated what was to come when the shadow falls in the New Testament it is to rejoice about what already has taken place that's why Paul can preach the cross and he says the preaching of the cross is the power of God and may I say to you on this Sunday morning that as that sun begins to set on its western horizon the further the light gets that direction the longer the shadows get the lower the light the longer the shadows become that means it doesn't matter how long it's been since the cross it doesn't matter how long it's been since he stretched his arms out on Calvary the shadow of the cross
cross can reach you wherever you are. That shadow will reach not only a hundred years from the event, but it's still reaching 2,000 years from the event because that shadow still falls upon us. And may I say to you today that modern time can build its buildings trying to block the light and they can put up all kinds of empire but I'm here to tell you the light will just cause the shadow of the cross to bend around the corners of whatever's put up and it'll find you wherever, wherever, wherever that you are the lowest valley, the shadow of the cross will reach you the highest mountain, the shadow of the cross will reach you the deepest river that you cross the shadow of the cross will reach you the largest battle, the most strenuous moment that you might be in the shadow of the cross can reach you, I stand here today to proclaim that on a hill uh, far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame and I love that old cross uh, where the dearest and best uh, for a world of lost sinners was slain Uh, so I'll cherish uh, so I'll cherish uh, that old rugged cross uh, till my trophies at last I lay down and I'll cling uh, to the old rugged cross uh, and exchange it Someday for a crown. Is anybody glad you live in the shadow of the cross? Glad I live in the shadow of that cross because it is the center of everything that we believe. If you do away with the cross, we have no reason for church. You do away with the cross, we have no reason to preach. If you do away with the cross, we have no reason to sing. If you do away with the cross, the cross is the center upon which everything turns and moves. But may I say to you today that as the shadow of history's most momentous event falls upon us, we must not just merely continue to gaze upon it, but we must seek it for guidance and we must glean from it instruction and we must gather out of the cross wisdom to apply to our life because when you look at the cross and you study it in its totality you realize that there are lessons that can be learned from Calvary there is things that I can learn standing at that old rugged cross things that I can apply to my life things that will guide my feet and order my steps in fact it is almost limitless just do it don't do it now just do it sometime don't do it now but do it sometime type into Google's search bar just the phrase lessons learned from the cross and there will be a multiplicity of things that will appear seven life lessons from the cross three lessons from the cross 15 lessons I learned from the cross Five things I learned because, hear me, it's like a sponge that the more you squeeze it, the more you get out of it, and the more you stand at Calvary, the more I learn about life and living and how I need the sacrifice that hung there. So I'm asking us one more time in 2021 to go back to that hill, to stand at the foot of that cross and look up at a Savior 
Savior that's stretched out and realized that that's my hope, that's my help, that's my strength, that's my everything. And if I'm going to get through life, I've got to stand at the foot of the cross. Oh, I know there are things we learn at Calvary. From the cross, we discover the path of redemption. It's at Calvary. We discover the awful cost and the awful price that was paid for my sin. We just spent the last almost month talking about sin and its penalty and, and, and the guilt that sin brings and the consequences of it. But when you stand at Calvary, you see this incredible price that was paid that He bore my transgressions and He became sin who knew no sin. When you stand at Calvary, you realize He is the Lamb of God that was slain that takes away my sin and washes me whiter than snow at Calvary you discovered that the church is anybody thankful for the church now the church was purchased by his blood at Calvary you find out that by his stripes we are healed. That's what I learn at the cross. But what I'm inviting you today is to step beyond what may have been obvious, what may just lie on the surface, and I'm asking you to enter. I'm asking you actually to walk into Calvary. I'm asking you to see what not only is at the cross, I'm asking you to see what's beyond the cross. I'm asking you not only to look at the event, I'm asking you to see what that event provided on the other side of Calvary. That's the reason why Jesus introduced himself in John chapter 10 and verse number 7. It's an amazing passage of scripture as he introduces himself to a religious crowd. He says to them, verily, verily I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Now he repeats himself in verse 7. He said, I am the door. He comes back in verse 9 and says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. What a beautiful revelation of Christ, that Christ indeed is the door. He is the access. He is the point of entrance into all that God has for us. If it had not been for the incarnation, God manifested in flesh. We would not have access into the presence of God. So I stand here today and I rejoice in the fact that Christ is my door. He's my access into the holiest of holies, into the presence of God, into the very might of God, the throne room of God. The problem is this, is that he said that this door led to pastures. Wonderful, luscious pastures was where this door led us to, and we know from Psalms chapter 23 that the Lord is my shepherd and he maketh me to lie down in 
green pastures. And so he's the door now that leads me into this green lush pasture where there is this place where I can lie down and I can be at rest, where I find peace and I find comfort. Understand that we have a certain thought and mentality of what those pastures are. There's a certain worldly perspective on what that green place is that we are to lie down going through the door of Christ. Some might say that that green pasture is a better world. It might be that that green pasture is a better life. It could be said that that green pasture is a better marriage. It's a better job. It's better economy. It's and we could fill in the blank and say it's a better, a better, and a better because this is our thought of what this green pasture really is. Our problem is this, is we like the idea that Jesus is the door. He's the entrance. He's the means through which these green pastures are realized. Our problem is where the door is located. Our problem is where the door is at. The problem is where the door is situated in the structure. Understand that for a door to be, be viable and for a door to, to provide access, a door has to be comprised in structure. It would be really of no point today to merely have a door here if there was not a structure around it. It would really be no point to have doors from the foyer to the sanctuary if there was no structure around it. And so the door serves this access, but the door is a part of the structure. So what you and I would like to do and our world would like to do they would like to take this idea that Jesus is the door but they don't like the structure they don't like the building they don't like what the door's in they don't like where the door's located they don't remember Jesus is not only the door but he's also the foundation he's not only the foundation but he's the cornerstone he's not only the cornerstone but he's the headstone he's not only the headstone but he's the building that brings it all together and they don't like the structure so they want it. Oh, I could preach right now. Oh, I could preach right now. In this cancel society, this cancel environment, we're trying to cancel everything. We're trying to tear everything down. And now they're trying to cancel the church. They're trying to cancel the Bible because they don't like the structure. They like the door. They just don't like what the door's in. They like the door. They like the door, the entrance. They like where the door leads them. They just don't like the building that the door is in. They just don't like the, the, the surroundings. So what they'd like to do is they'd like to come in with their crowbars and their pry bars and they'd like to take the door out. We want the door. We just don't want the structure. We just don't want the building. And they want to take the door over here and they want to kind of set it arbitrarily up somewhere and then they want to say oh what would Jesus do? That's the most empty phrase that society has come up with. What would Jesus do? 
Because you've got to understand the underlying meaning of that. They mean this. What would the Jesus do that I've taken out of the structure? What would the Jesus do that I've removed from the building? What would the Jesus do that I've taken out and off of the foundation and kind of set it out here? Now, I grant you, ladies and gentlemen, I grant you, we are dealing with some complex issues right now. We're dealing with things that are just absolutely, just they're, they're, they're monumental in, 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 in the essence and the hold that they have upon life. And so we, we see this world, we see what we'd like to, we'd like to have a world free of hate. Man, wouldn't that be nice? Just have a world free of, of hate. Have a world free of racism. Wouldn't that be nice? Just have a world free of racism. Let's have a world free of biasness. A world free of discrimination. Let's have a world free of hate crimes. Let's have a world free of, of, of prejudice. And so, in the wake of the Atlanta shootings this week, the newspapers have been filled with Jesus would do. What would happen if we just followed the love that Jesus preached? What would take place? We would have no hate crimes, and we would have no biasness, and we'd have no discrimination. Oh, the, the, the headlines are filled with all this stuff about what would happen if Christians really followed their Jesus. The problem is this. I'd love to write an op-ed because I, I, got, I got two or three pages I'd like to put in the newspaper somewhere. The problem is they've taken the door and they've taken it out of the structure. They've taken it out of the framework and they've set it over here. They want the product. They just don't want the process. They want the result of what Jesus brings. They just don't want the process of what Jesus is involved in. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't get the results of Jesus without the process of Jesus. You can't get what's on the other side of the door till you get through the door where the building is put up. You've got to find the structure that the door is in. If you're going to get on the other side. You can't just arbitrarily peel Jesus out of the Bible. You know, like he's some kind of sticky tape. Just kind of peel Jesus out. And then I'm going to set Jesus up over here. And we're going to talk about what we get through Jesus. And getting on the other. That's empty. That is so empty. That has no bearing whatsoever because you can't set, separate Jesus from His Word. You can't separate Jesus from the structure He's put up because Jesus is the door. But the door of what? He's the door of the kingdom. He's the door of the church. He's the door of the body. And if you take Him out of all of that, there is no meaning to the door. So I give to you today, where is the door? I'll tell you where the door is. The door is at Calvary. And if you want to get on the other side, you got to go through the door that's at Calvary. I'm the door. I'm the door. I'm the door. Where's 
the door. The door's hanging on the cross. The door's hanging at Calvary. If I want the results of Calvary, i got to go through Calvary. If I want the results of what Calvary's going to bring, if I want all the stuff that's on the other side of Calvary, I've got to leave the door in the structure of redemption and in the process of Calvary. And i got to go through the cross. That's the reason why all of this stuff is foolishness when we start talking about, well, we're just not going to preach the cross anymore. And we're not going to preach about the blood anymore. But we still want Jesus now. We want to set Him over here arbitrarily. We just got a little door over here. I'm sorry. You can't have the door without the structure. You got to leave the door at the cross. And if you go through the cross, you get what Jesus produces. Somebody clap your hands and shout. See, you got to get with Him. You got to get through the door. You got to get through the door. You got to become you got to become crucified with him. You got to become crucified with him. You got to get buried with him. You got to become risen with him. You don't get that without going through the cross. That's how you get it. That's how you get it. You get it. The door. The door is the door is at Calvary. Notice what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, uh, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live. Somebody say, I now live. The life which I now live. I live in the flesh. And I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. You see, you want to... You, you, you want to handle all this mess? You want to handle it? I'll handle it for you right here. I'll take care of all the world's problems right here from the platform of Apostolic Worship Center. I wish every ear was listening via the internet right now because I'm going to tell you how to handle the world's problems at this moment, at this hour, at this time. Because if you can ever get through the door of Calvary, He will tear down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. He does away with racism, but it happens on the other side of Calvary. He does away with the gender problem. Male and female become one, but it's on the other side of the cross. You want to deal with equality? He said bond and free become one. Where does it happen? It happens on the other side of Calvary. I cannot get that in textbook learning. I cannot get that in a university. That doesn't come through politics. A petition in the Senate and some kind of law in the House can't get that. The only way you get it is you got to go through the door of Calvary. And when you get through the door of Calvary, you get all of this stuff solved and taken care of. Oh, I wish I had a little help now. I said, I wish I had a little help in the house right now. We got to get through the door. We got to get through the door. That's where it's taken care of. It's at Calvary. Because see, Something happens to you at Calvary. It changes you. Calvary changes the way you feel. Calvary changes the way you think. Calvary changes the way you respond. Calvary changes the way you act. And I can't get that any other way without going through the cross. Watch, I find it very interesting that Jesus is showing us now the way. He's the door. 
at Calvary, hung suspended there. And they're wanting what's on the other side, that green pasture, that world that's changed and transformed. And so Jesus now is going to show us the way. How do I get there? How do I get to what's on the other side of the cross? Go look at my text this morning in the book of Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34. Get it now. Because they've come to the cross and come to Calvary and the cross and they're crucifying him there. And then verse number 20, 34. Then, in the midst of crucifixion, in the midst of being hung between thieves, in the midst of all of this hate and strife and malice and all of this violence that was taking place. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the first of seven sayings that will be spoken by Christ at the cross. It's the first of the words that he will utter in that momentous moment. Father, forgive them. And it serves almost as this opening because nothing else can happen until you deal with forgiveness. You can't get to the other side of the cross. You can't get to the green pastures. You can't get to the perfect world. You can't get to the environment that's free of all the stuff society's wrestling with until you first of all come through that thing called forgiveness. Follow me now. Listen very carefully. We can't even deal with eternity. Today you will be with me in paradise until we deal with forgiveness. We can't deal with family matters. Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. We can't even get there until we deal with forgiveness. We can't understand the working of God and the equality of God when He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We can't even deal with that subject until we deal with the matter of forgiveness. We cannot even address our own personal needs. I thirst until I deal with the matter of forgiveness. There can be no completion. It is finished. Or the resting in the hands of God. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit until first of all we deal with first things first. And that is the matter of forgiveness. And may I say, ladies and gentlemen, there's things we're wanting and there's places we're wanting to go and there's, there's lives we're wanting to live and there's joys we're wanting to experience Experience it, and we're trying to get there and we're trying to accomplish it but you can't deal with it and you, till you deal with this thing called forgiveness and being able to release and let go injustices and hurt and things that have afflicted us and weighted us down you can't even get in green pastures until you first of all deal with forgiveness say, but you don't understand, Pastor. You just don't get it, how hurt that I've been. 
And I've forgiven and they haven't changed. Oh, I am so glad you said that. I am so glad because I want to preach about it. I really do. I want to preach about it. I want to take you to Calvary. I want to show it to you. In Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34, look at it now. Look very carefully at that verse. Then Jesus said, in the time of crucifixion, in the time of injustice, in the time of cruelty, in the time of violence, then said Jesus, Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then I see a period. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Period. And that's where we would like to end right there. Just leave it up a moment. That's where we'd like to, that's where we'd like to end. We'd like to say, I forgave. Period. Now everything changes. I forgave. Period. Now, everything's different. I forgave. Period. That's our concept of forgiveness. That if I forgive, everything changes. Go back and read the verse now. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Period. The period is upon my forgiveness. But there is more to the sentence. And they parted his raiment and cast lots he forgave and even though he forgave injustice continued and he forgave and even though he forgave wickedness continued and cruelty continued the period was not on his adversary the period was on his life I forgive it's over now it's through they can do what they want to do it just doesn't matter I've let it all go and I release it Ladies and gentlemen, we need to find the period in forgiveness that it doesn't matter if the injustice continues. It doesn't matter if the unfairness continues. It doesn't matter if the evil and violence continues. The period of forgiveness is on my life. I forgave and that's all that really matters. Our problem is, is we want to remove the period. I forgive if you'll change. I'll forgive if you'll stop your violence. I'll forgive if you'll stop your hate. I'll forgive if you stop your wickedness and cruelty. That's not where the period's at. The period's on me. Father, forgive them. Period. It's over. It's done. It's through. It's concluded. Now y'all go on and do what you want to do. But I have forgiven. I'm telling you it's the door at Calvary that leads me to green pastures. I can just learn how to forgive. Well, this is the problem. You see, you and I cannot give what we have not received. I can't give what I don't got. Why do I? What I don't got? What I don't have? That's just to make sure y'all are staying awake. Okay. I I, I can't give what I don't have. I got, I got to have something before I can give something. I can't empty water out of a bucket till I got water in the bucket. I can't give resources until I have resources. And I can't give forgiveness until I've received forgiveness. And the problem is, some of us have not really received forgiveness. That's why we're struggling forgiving everything else. We have not accepted that the blood is the coverall of my wrong. 
We have not accepted that Jesus, when I was buried in His name, for the, for the, for the, for the remission, the doing away with, the putting away of my sin, when I was buried in the name of Jesus, it put away my sin. I can't give forgiveness until I come to understand my sins have been forgiven. And He doesn't hold my wrong, my injustices, my shame, my reproach against me. He has forgiven me. And when I can stand boldly and say, I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I've been forgiven. Then I can say, you know what? I've received mercy. I want to give mercy. I've got grace. I want to give grace. If I'm struggling in forgiveness, it's because I'm struggling to receive it. And I think it's time to end it right here and say, I got to get on the other side of the cross. I got to get on the other side of Calvary. So I receive your forgiveness, God. It don't matter what I've done. It don't matter who I've been. It don't matter where I've been. God, your blood can wash me wider, 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 wider. You can do more than snow can. Wider. There's no God. You can wash me. And when I do that, when I do that, then I can forgive and I can put away the wrongs and the injustices. I don't know about you ladies and gentlemen, but it is time to get rid of our tally sheet. Oh, come on. Somebody at least give me a, a, a cool amen. My goodness, we got a tally sheet. One, I was hurt. Two, I was done wrong. Three, I was lied on. Four, I was slandered. Five, they treated me cruel. And we just keep tallying it up. And we just keep tallying it up. And we walk around and say, have you been hurt like I've been hurt? If you if you've been wounded like I've been wounded, and if you if you've had done to you what I've had done to you, and because when you start thinking about your injustice, your blood pressure goes up. And when you start thinking about your injustices, your heart rate goes up. And when you start thinking about your injustices, your pulse rate goes up. If you had been done like I've been done. And we got a little tally sheet. Can I tell you, you better get rid of your tally sheet because it ain't going to heaven. You better get rid of your long list of injustices and wrong because it's not been washed in the blood. He wants to put you under the blood. And if He can get you under the blood, He can get rid of your tally sheet. And when I get rid of my tally sheet, I can reach my hands out and say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And I can let it all go. And I've made my first steps through a door to a realm of place and living that I didn't know before. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. Does anybody know? I'm trying to get there. Does anybody hear this preacher? Does anybody hear this pastor? I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get through the door. Don't set it up someplace else. Don't separate it from the structure. Leave it at Calvary. Because if he can forgive, I can forgive. He said, he said, forgive. 
one another their trespasses. As I have forgiven you, he said, I want you to do as you have had happen in your life. Forgive. Somebody just close your eyes for a moment. You don't have to say it loud. You can say it in your mind. But can you say it now? I forgive. I forgive. That's your door. That's your entrance. On the other side of that door is a garden. The other side of that door, ladies and gentlemen, is a resurrection. On the other side of that door is a brand new body. A brand new life. On the other side of that door is the experience of Pentecost. But my only way there is I've got to go through the door of Calvary. I've got to get through the door of forgiveness. I've got to be able to say, I totally forgive. Would you stand with me now? All over this building, I feel the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody lift your hands to Him. We're trying to get there. Trying to get there now. Trying to get there. You can't put that door someplace else. You got to put it at Calvary. It's the only way to access it now. Yeah. Is there that place? Yes, there is. For Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 7, verse number 60 concerning Stephen. After he had testified concerning the history of Israel and the hand of God, they had taken stones to stone him. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not that sin to their charge. He did what Christ did at Calvary. He forgave. And Scripture says, that he looked up and when he looked up he saw heaven open and when he saw heaven open he said I saw the the Son of Man the glory of God Jesus standing at the right hand he said I see heaven open I see the glory because the only way I see what's on the other side is I see it through that pathway called forgiveness but if I can ever get through that door of forgiveness the heavens are going to be open. The glory is going to shine forth. The presence of God is going to come. I'm telling you, the door's right where it needs to be. Don't move it. Leave it at Calvary. Because if you can get through the door of forgiveness, you can find what you're looking for. Would you lift your hands to Him now? For every hurting heart right now, every hurting mind, Every life that is wrestling, wrestling with a grievance. Every soul that's wrestling with feelings and things that are pressing down upon you. God is summonsing you to the door of Calvary now. 
He's summonsing you to the place for you to be able to enter in. There's places He wants to take you. There's things He wants to lead you to. There's things He wants to show you. There's things He wants to involve in your life. There's things He wants to bless you with. But we'll have to go through that door, that door of Calvary, through that door of forgiveness. And if we can get there, God, God is going to take us someplace. That's it. His eyes are closed across this building right now. And prayer is being made all over this building I hear the summonsing presence of the Holy Ghost I feel God calling some of us right now I feel God calling some of us right now he's trying to call us through that door he's trying to call us through that point of access I'm telling you it's not worth it if Christ can say I forgive while being crucified surely you and I can say I forgive in the midst of confusion and frustrations and violence that we're dealing with right now surely we can let it all go and find that realm on the other side that's it now would you let the presence of God just reach out to your heart and across your soul on this Sunday morning and I'm opening this altar right now if there's a hunger and there's a thirst and there's a passion in your life for what's on the other side of the cross and there's there's a, a need for you to receive forgiveness from him right now there's a need for you to give it I'm inviting you just to make your way down that aisle down toward this altar, toward Calvary. Find your way through that door for just a few moments. Just step in right now and just release it. Just let it all go. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. You can call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.